Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. A qualified purchaser can either be family-owned company, an individual who owns $5 million or more in investments versus that $1 million threshold for accredited investors. So this could be an entity, an individual, like I said, but also who invests a minimum of $25 million in private capital on other people's behalf. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hello, Best of listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Actively Passive Investing Show. As always, I'm Theo Hicks with Travis Watts. Travis, how are you doing today? Theo, doing great, man. So today we are going to talk about accredited investors versus qualified purchasers. What's the difference? What are these two things? We're going to dive in deep. As always, disclaimer, as Travis, I'm sure what's going to do anyways, we are not SEC attorneys. We're not attorneys by any means. We're just going to go over some of the definitions of what these two types of investors are. And for more details, all legal advice, make sure you're talking with your securities attorneys. And we'll also direct you to the sec.gov website because that's where the majority of this information is listed. So Travis, before we dive into those differences, why are we talking about this today? Sure. It's a great topic, Theo. There's some confusion still around it. We're going to try to simplify it here on the episode. Also, this is one of the top 10 blogs on joefairless.com, credit investors versus qualified purchasers. So I thought, hey, let's make it a video segment, reach some more people with it. Obviously, there's a demand for wanting to know this information. And I think I'll have you cover accredited investors just to kick it off. Most people have heard that term. And then I'll jump into qualified purchasers, distinguish the differences, and we'll take it from there. So go ahead and take it away. Yeah, exactly. So I'll do accredited investors. And accredited investors, as most people know, these are people who the SEC deems are allowed to invest in certain types of syndications for our case, certain types of passive investments. So there's criteria that is set forth that you need to meet in order to passively invest in, say, an apartment syndication fund or in any sort of commercial real estate transaction. So the qualifications are regulated by the SEC. It's under Rule 501 of Regulation D, which is, again, all this is on the SEC website. So the most common way to qualify as an accredited investor is going to be an income or a net worth threshold. So a person that has an annual income that is over $200,000 or jointly, it'll be $300,000. 
you qualify as an accredited investor, but it needs to be exceed that threshold for the previous two years. And then you need to have the expectation of making that same income or higher in the current year. So if you have one really good year, but then in the previous year, you didn't reach that, then technically you don't qualify as an accredited investor. So that's the income. There's also a net worth. So an individual or jointly, it's the same, has a net worth exceeding $1 million. They will qualify as an accredited investor. But net worth, the way they calculated it is that it excludes any equity you have in your personal home. And so that doesn't count towards your net worth requirement. That has to come from something else. So it's net of any debts. So for example, let's say you own a $2 million rental property and you have a $1.5 million mortgage. You don't have a $2 million net worth. You get only $500,000 of that equity. Now, if that's not a rental property, if that's just your personal home, then that $500,000 doesn't count. So it's only non-primary residence investments net any of the debt. So you can't take advantage of mortgage loan to become an accredited investor. So those are the two most common ways that people usually qualify to passively invest is that income requirement or it's that net worth requirement. But the SEC has a lot of other ways that you can also qualify as well. So we'll kind of quickly go over those as well. So if you are a general partner, executive officer, or director for a company that is issuing the unregistered security, then you are considered an accredited investor. So that's just a fancy way of saying that if you are doing the syndication, if you're a GP on a syndication deal, then you don't need to have that annual income or net worth requirement. You are automatically considered an accredited investor because you are actually a part of that company. But again, you need to be a GP, executive officer, or director. You can't be an underwriting analyst or something. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. And remember to mention the Best Ever Podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. 
Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. An entity can be considered an accredited investor if it is a private business, development company, or an organization with assets exceeding $5 million. So like if an entity or a company that has a net worth of $5 million in a sense, they together can pass the invest in a deal as an accredited investor. Also, if an entity consists of equity owners who are accredited investors, the entity itself is an accredited investor. There was something that was actually new that happened in mid-2020, so almost a year ago from today, and they added another way that you can become an accredited investor, and it has to do with having certain types of certifications. So the technical definition is the SEC amended the definition to include individuals who have certain professional certifications, Series 7, Series 65, Series 82, individuals who are, in quotes, knowledgeable employees, end quote, of a private fund or SEC and state registered investment advisors. So I'm not really going to go into a bunch of detail on what that means. So just go to the sec.gov website and check out that amendment for more information on what that means. But most likely, if you're listening to this and you qualify as an accredited investor, it's probably because of that income or net worth, or maybe a bunch of people came together to get that net worth of $5 million to invest as an entity. So final thoughts on accredited investors is that the SEC needs to protect less knowledgeable individual investors who might not have enough money to absorb any high losses, or maybe they don't have a high understanding of the risks associated with passive investing. So that's really the entire point of having these requirements. Again, it's not just because you make that much money or you have that net worth, you are just a genius at syndications, but the definition that they came up with to protect as many people as possible. So that's kind of why they have these requirements in the first place. Well said, Theo. That's precisely it. If you look at the history of Wall Street and why the SEC is even in place, there's obviously a long track record in history of fraud. (laughs) So they're just trying to cut down on that. And of course, you're going to have folks on both sides, people disagreeing, saying it's a barrier of entry. Why can't we participate in things? And then the flip side saying, well, it's like with all these cryptos right now. And I see all these 20 year olds on YouTube talking about some saying they're making tons of money and others saying they lost everything. So I don't know, maybe there should be regulation there. Maybe not. I don't know. I'll leave that up to the listeners, but I'll dive into qualified purchasers. Simply put, if you take nothing else out of this episode, here's the simple down and dirty of it. A qualified purchaser has a higher financial threshold versus an accredited investor. That's really what it comes down to. So what is that threshold? It's $5 million in investments. So a qualified purchaser can either be family-owned company, an individual who owns $5 million or more in investments versus that 1 million threshold for accredited investors. So this could be an entity, an individual, like I said, but also who invests a minimum of 25 million in private capital on other people's behalf. You can also qualify that way. So let's define investments when I say that. So we're talking about securities, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, cash, financial contracts, futures contracts, physical commodities like oil, gold, silver, all of this stuff counts towards that threshold. That's what we're talking about. Same as the accredited investor definition there. So if you're part of a qualified purchaser entity, all the entities, beneficial owners must be qualified purchasers. That's like what you were pointing out with accredited investors. You can qualify that way. You can create an LLC, but 
each individual needs to be accredited or it needs to have a higher threshold of assets in that LLC to qualify the entity as being accredited. So a qualified purchaser can be a trust that's sponsored or managed by multiple qualified purchasers. So again, like Theo said, the best way, just go to sec.gov. If you really want to dig in, get all the details, figure out if your specific scenario qualifies for A, B, or C. In my experience, just being a limited partner investor in private equity and private placements, I rarely come across an offering that says, this is exclusively for qualified purchasers. Usually if it's going to be that, they're looking for institutional capital. They're looking for players that are going to put minimum investments of 250,000, 500,000, a million, stuff like that. And for the most part, that's not your mom and pop accredited investors who are more inclined to put like 50,000, let's say, or 100,000 into a deal, something like that. So just a side note. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Bottom line, when it comes to being accredited or a qualified purchaser, both can have benefits, obviously, in real estate today. But even if you meet the net worth or the income requirements here, you would really be shortchanging yourself if you didn't understand how to properly vet deals and what you're really doing. And I'll, I'll get into a story with that here in a minute, but make sure that you learn how to vet a deal, vet a market, vet a sponsorship team. These are the critical pieces. Theo and I recorded a three-part mini-series last year in 2020 on precisely that, how to vet a team, a sponsor, and a market. That's a very popular three-episode segment. So if you're watching on YouTube, I believe those episodes are 16 through 18. And if you're listening on the podcast, it's 2284, 2291, and 2298. So check those out regardless if you're sophisticated, accredited, QP, whatever. Very, very good stuff in there. Each one's about 30 to 45 minutes long. So my final thoughts, I mentioned that story. So the importance of being knowledgeable as an investor, maybe to Theo's point, here's the SEC trying to protect the less sophisticated folks from making a mistake or whatnot. But think about this. A lot of people, they win the lottery or become a professional athlete or a highly paid actor or actress. You might marry into money. You might have a business that you sell for millions of dollars and you never really anticipated that being the case. Does that make you a knowledgeable investor. Are you all of a sudden an investor because money's in your bank account one day? No. So the story I want to share is when I was in high school and the beginning of college out in Florida, my parents owned a small aviation company and they had a lot of high net worth clients. And I reached out to my parents and I said, can you connect me with some of these folks? Because I want to learn the finance game. I want to learn about investing. I want to know how I can get wealthy, this kind of stuff. And they did. They set me up with quite a few of these individuals, male and female business owners, NASCAR drivers, retired, all these different people. And what I learned is very few had the understanding and the mindset of being an investor. Most of them 
couldn't really tell me much at all. Or they would say just generic stuff like you buy low and sell high or you hold forever and you never sell. One guy I remember said, I have 100% of everything in annuities. It's the financial insurance product, nothing against annuities, but this isn't what I was wanting to learn. I thought just because you had wealth, it meant you're sophisticated and that you know what you're doing, but that's not the case. A lot of these folks made money in other ways and it doesn't make you an investor mindset. So that's just what I want to point out. Three things, educate yourself, identify your goals and investing criteria, do your due diligence and take action. These are the most critical, important part. And thank you for tuning in <laughs> to stuff like this. It makes a world of difference over time, I promise you. And that's all I got. Final thoughts there. That's like a perfect example. As I mentioned, these requirements aren't, if you make $199,999, you don't know what you're doing at all for investing, but you make one more dollar and boom, you're just an expert on investing in these types of deals. So those are all great points. And again, this overall purpose of this episode was just to define those two terms. And then I like how you kind of wrapped it up and said that, look, even if you do qualify to invest in these deals, you shouldn't just assume you know exactly what you're doing because you have that dollar amount in your bank account. Make sure you're still educating yourself. Make sure that you understand your own investment criteria and your goals. And then make sure before you actually take action, you are doing your due diligence on those deals. So as Travis mentioned, that's really what Actually Passive is all about, educating you. So there's a lot of other podcast episodes and blogs that we have. We've actually have a blog category called Accredited Investors. So basically every blog in there is directed towards educating you on how to become a better accredited investor. So if you don't have anything else, Travis, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Best of your listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you check out those episodes that Travis mentioned. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Theo. Thanks, everybody.